It is Friday the 13th, 2020. It is day 13 of Na Pod Po Mo. And baby, it's cold outside. We got hit with a storm here. And we're expecting a lot more. Let's get into this Friday the 13th episode of Na Pod Pomo. I hope you're ready for today's episode of Dead America doing Na Pod Pomo. Let's get into this. This morning, I was listening to our social audio enthusiast friend over there in New York, Rich Roberts. You can find him at Fireman Rich on Twitter, over there on Anchor. Great audio. But in his audio, he was speaking about Friday the 13th. Is it lucky or isn't it lucky? Well... There's a lot of mixed feelings about Friday the 13th. And depending on who you are and how you look at it, it can be good or it can be bad. Let's start with the good. We start off at JTA.org. This is Jewish Telegraphic Agency. Why Friday the 13th is a lucky day for Jews. On Friday the 13th, we typically watch for planes falling out of the sky and elevators crashing and relationships falling apart. Americans are so spooked by the number 13 that some buildings even skip the 13th floor. But if we lived in Israel today, we might be expecting only good things. That's because in Israel and in Judaism, In general, 13 is considered a lucky number. It might have to do with the fact that Judas Iscariot was one of the 13 people at Jesus' Last Supper. Or maybe because the end of the Mayan calendar's 13th Bakhtan calendar cycle was supposed to herald the apocalypse. But for Jew, it's not like that. As blogger Joshua Hammerman points out, there are a bunch of reasons why not. Just think, what is the age of a bar mitzvah boy? How many months are there in the Hebrew lunar calendar? And don't forget the 13 attributes of God laid out in Exodus to explain why God forgave us for that whole golden calf episode. Still unconvinced, Consider the Rambam formulated 13 principles of faith. And then there's this clincher. When Israel was established in 1948, the first provisional government had 13 members. Why? 
well, for good luck. So as you can see, Judaism has many reasons why they see the number 13 as a lucky number. Very interesting. So on the other flip side, why are Fridays that fall on a month's 13th day so fearful? Some attribute the origins to the Code of Hammurabi, one of the world's oldest legal documents, which may or may not have superstitiously omitted a 13th rule from its list. Others claim that the ancient Sumerians, who believed the number 12 to be the perfect number, considered the one that followed it decidedly non-perfect. One of the most popular theories, however, links Friday the 13th with the fall of the fearsome group of legendary warriors, the Knights Templar. We're going to read a little bit out of history.com here. Founded around 1118 as a monastic military order devoted to the protection of pilgrims traveling to the Holy Land following the Christian capture of Jerusalem during the First Crusade. The Knights Templar quickly became one of the richest and most influential groups of the Middle Ages. Thanks to lavish donations from the crowned heads of Europe, eager to curry favor with the fierce knights, by the turn of the 14th century, the Templars had established a system of castles, churches, and banks throughout the Western Europe. And it was this astonishing wealth that would be the lead to their downfall. For the Templars, that end began in the early morning hours of Friday, October 13, 1307. A month earlier, secret documents had been sent by couriers throughout France. The papers included details and whispers of black magic and scandalous sexual rituals. They were sent by King Philip IV of France and France's Jews. In the days and weeks that followed that fateful Friday, more than 600 Templars were arrested, including Grand Master Jacques de Malloy and the Order's treasurer. But while some of the highest ranking members were caught up in Philip's net, so too were hundreds of non-warriors, middle-aged men who managed the day-to-day -day banking and farming activities that kept the organization humming. The men were charged with a wide array of offenses, including heresy, devil worship, and spitting on the cross, homosexuality, fraud, and financial corruption. The Templars were kept in isolation and fed meager rations that often amounted to just bread and water. Nearly all were brutally tortured. One common practice used by medieval inquisitioners was the strappato, in which the hands of the accused were tied behind their backs and then suspended in the air by a rope. 
around their wrist intended to dislocate the shoulders. As Dan Jones notes in his book, The Templars, the rise and spectacular fall of the Knights Templar, one of the accused hands were tied so tightly that blood pooled in his fingertips, and he was kept in a pit no wider than a single footstep. Many of the men were likely stretched on the infamous rack, or had their feet dipped in oil and held over a fire to burn. Given the extreme conditions, it's not surprising that within weeks, hundreds of the Templars confessed to false charges, including Jacques de Malloy. Pope Clement V was horrified. Despite the fact that he had been elected almost solely because of Philip's influence, he feared crossing the extremely popular Templars. The Knights coerced confessions, however, forced his hands. Philip, who had anticipated Clement's reaction, made sure the allegations against the Templars included detailed descriptions of their supposed heresy. Counting on the gossipy, salacious accounts to carry much weight with the church, Clement issued a papal bull ordering the Western kings to arrest the Templars living in their lands. Few followed the papal request, but the fate of the French Templars had already been sealed. Their lands and money were confiscated and officially dispersed to another religious quarter. Within weeks of their confessions, many of the Templars recanted and Clement shut down the Inquisition trials in early 1308. The Templars lingered in their cells for two years before Philip had more than 50 of them burnt at the stake in 1310. Two years later, Clement formally dissolved the order. In the wake of that disillusion, some Templars again confessed to gain their freedom while others died in captivity. In the spring of 1314, Grand Master Molay and several other Templars were burnt at the stake in Paris, bringing an end to their remarkable error and launching an ever longer lasting theory about the evil possibilities of Friday the 13th. So, as you can see, there is definitely a division on beliefs on Friday the 13th. To me, hey, it's just another day and you gotta live it. So, make the best of each and every day that you have. Don't make it your Templar moment. Make it a bar mitzvah. Make it joyful and make it last because each and every day that we live is precious. We all have good days. We all have bad days. And right now, it's a time that we all need to come together, relax, and just believe in each other and believe that we can get through all of the bad times. Okay, that's enough for today's Friday the 13th Na Pod Pomo. Tomorrow, 
day 14. I can't wait. I'm Ed Waters. See you tomorrow. Out.